Hi, everybody. How's you doing? Yeah, great. It's Sunday evening and we get to gather together. It's wonderful to be together. So how many of you guys have been on YouTube and you've seen these um, bike, bait, or bait, bike, prank videos? Anybody seen these before? These things here where they, they, they put a bike out there and uh, uh, as a bait for somebody to, yeah, they're to steal. And then when they steal it, they have it like tethered to something else. Well, see this guy here, this is a bait bike and, um, and he's looking around right about now and he's seeing if somebody's gonna see. But what he doesn't know is they've removed the brakes from this bike and they've disassembled the front wheel so that no brakes and then the front wheel goes and down he goes. And so aren't those great? Oh my gosh, I mean, is that not the, I guess, poetic justice when you see this happen? Because don't steal the dadgum bike, right? You know, I mean, how many of you guys love a good underdog story? You know, you love to see the good guy win. And isn't it also wonderful when you're watching, like, when there's like a mean coach or something like that, and then the good coach who does it right wins the game and beats the mean coach because... You wanna see the bad guy not win. It's not necessarily that you wanna see him lose. Well, maybe we do. But anyway, you just want to see the good guy win, right? There's just this desire, this innate desire in us that we just, we just love when the bad guy loses and we hate when the cheater wins and we love that underdog story. And uh, you know, there is just this natural desire sometimes. I know this is the dark side perhaps of many, but we just want them to get what they deserve. You know who I'm talking about? Just want them to get what they deserve. And there's, like I said, it's not necessarily the, the most beautiful thing about our character. Because isn't it true we tend to judge other people by their actions, but when it comes to us, we judge ourselves by our intentions? Right? I mean, people in their actions, we're like, yeah, I'm, mm, you did that. But for us, it's, it's, it's what we intended not necessarily the actions that took place. And so we're a lot gentler with ourselves. And so, yeah, you can hear the intensity. You can hear the, the anger. You can hear the resentment. You can hear all this stuff in this message because tonight we talk about wrath. And so we talk about this, this one of the seven pillars of the enemy's plan to destroy humanity. And this enemy who is desiring to just to just make humanity just lose and lose and lose. And man, he's really good at this. What we've been talking about doing is flipping this script on what Satan intends for evil for God to use for good. And we've done this up to this point. So we talked about lust and we flipped the script and rather than, than lusting the way that we all kind of think about lust, we then chose, no, no, we're gonna lust like Asaph who was passionate for the things of God lusted after the, the things that God was passionate about. And so we wanted to lust like Asaph. And when we talked about gluttony, we talked about being a glutton for life, meaning we just can't get enough of the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus, we just can't get enough. We can't consume enough of who Jesus is. And then when we got to greed, we talked about being greedy like Mary, meaning the Mary the mother, or not, not the mother of Jesus, but Mary the sister of Lazarus who broke that jar of perfume on Jesus' feet and wiped it with her hair in this just lavish outpouring of generosity that is quite different than greed. Last week, we talked about being a Caleb, right, Caleb? We talked about being a Caleb, and we are, as, as we fight this temptation for sloth, we talked about how Caleb was the one that remembered what God had done 
in the people of Israel's lives and was able to keep moving forward towards the promised land that God desired for his life. We said, that's what we want to do. We want to focus on the things that God has done in our life and the things that God's doing in our lives so that we are able to keep moving forward towards this promised land of life for us here on this earth. And so today we talk about the wrath of the Father. We talk about this wrath. We talk about how we want to forgive like the Father forgave him. We want to forgive like the Father who forgave like the Father. I'm going to explain more, but let's pray and let's jump in tonight. Father, this is your night. This is your church. We are yours. We are your bride. And so, Lord, we long. We long to give honor and glory and respect and worship unto you. And Lord, we long to also not let anger rise up in unhealthy ways that is so common. But we want, Lord, what you want. And that is, we want your truth to reign supreme. And so, Lord, will you shine your light tonight? Will you show your truth especially through this lens that the enemy loves to kind of turn the knife in our lives through. Lord, we love you and we praise your name tonight. We pray this through the name of Jesus, amen. You know, wrath, if you kind of take it from a definition and just summarize it, this is, it can be summarized as strong hatred or resentment. Strong hatred or resentment. And of course, you know, uh, we see that human relationships these tend to be the, um, um, the, the product of this, this emotion that's there and this wrath that shows up, this vengeful hatred or resentment. It comes in humanity here on this earth. It's so easy to be consumed by rage, and it's so easy to want revenge to the point where we act irrationally or to the point where we act immorally even. Now, I realize that we're talking about other people and there's nobody in here over the last 18 months that you spent any time with your family indoors, uh, you spent any time in the political climate that we've been in, you spent any time with just the health climate that we've been in, and you've never really let anger bubble up inside of you and said something you wish you wouldn't have said to the one that you love more than anybody else on this earth. I realize that that's nobody in this room. But just in the event that perhaps maybe, maybe you have at some point in your life, or maybe it was today that you said something that you wish you wouldn't have said. And it was because of anger that bubbled up inside of you. Perhaps maybe together we can receive the grace of God together. And then we can truly choose to do better. Let's receive God's grace tonight. Let's not let the enemy bring guilt and shame and resentment and all those things that tend to come up inside of us in the ways that we fall short but let's instead receive the grace of God and let's move forward. Let's receive this grace together. You know, we're gonna, we're gonna start this evening with the story of the unforgiving servant. We wanna learn from this story in, an, in our effort to do better. And so this story of the unforgiving servant, let's read this. It's, it's in Luke chapter 18, verses 23 through 25, or through 35, excuse me. Um, and so we're going to read until verse 30, roughly. But it says, The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. 
And we began to settle accounts. One was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents, a lot of money. But he was not able to pay. His master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, and that payment be made. The servant fell down before the king, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all or everything. The master of the servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave the debt. And the man went out, and he worked hard, and he repaid every single penny that he owed the king. And that's how the story ends. Everybody lived happily ever after, right? It's not how the story ends at all. What ends up happening is this. That same servant who was forgiven, who was given grace, who was given mercy, went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, not near as much. He laid hands on him, took him by the throat, saying, pay me what you owe. Now, certainly this story is about to be, he's gonna ask for him to be gracious and he's gonna do that, right? Now, check out what he did. So this fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him saying, have patience with me and I will pay you all. And this servant, he would not. And he went and threw into prison this man till he should pay the debt. Now see, we can look at this story and we can go, yeah, man, unmerciful servant. Man, that's just wrong. You know, Thomas Aquinas has this quote. He says, a passion of the sensitive appetite is good insofar as it is regulated by reason. Whereas it is evil if it set the order of reason aside. And so logic and reason is an important piece of this puzzle. And when wrath begins to enter in and anger begins to bubble up, reason goes out the window, doesn't it? It goes out the window and we start saying things we wish we wouldn't have said. We start doing things we wish we wouldn't have done. We start wanting people to get consequences that we really don't wish for them to get. We start this ugly, ugly thing. And that's what Aquinas is talking about here. You see, this unforgiving servant was given a vast amount of mercy, was given a vast amount of grace, but he refused to give mercy himself. And see, that's human wrath. That is human wrath to a T because that human wrath is punitive measures that are driven by anger. Human, humans, they want punitive justice, punitive measures, and oftentimes they are driven by anger. This happens oftentimes in our context for sure. Now, we're going to tell another story. We're going to work through this other story. It's got it all. It's got sin. It's got forgiveness. It's got wrath. It's got anger. It's got all this grace and everything. But the difference is, One of the characters in the next story that we're going to talk about sets in motion our cue on how we flip the script on Satan. It sets in motion the flipping of the script. And so it's the story, maybe you've heard of it, maybe you haven't. It's the story of the prodigal son. And the way the story goes is one day there's this young son who decides to go to his father and says, Dad, I'd like my inheritance today, which is a pretty remarkable thing, you know. I mean, I don't, I'm not asking you to die, but that's kind of the implication, right? That, that's kind of how that normally plays out is that inher- that's when the inheritance comes. But this boy is saying, no, no, no I want, I'd like my inheritance now. And the dad was in a remarkable position because he was able to say, okay, 
So here's your inheritance, to which this young boy gets all of this inheritance, this money. He goes and he squanders the money. He goes and he spends it and he does things with it and all that kind of thing. And eventually one day he finds himself broke. And he doesn't have any money. He finds himself looking at the pigs one day. And he says man, to himself, man, that, that looks like something I might like to eat. And then he's thinking, wait a minute. The servants for my father eat better than the pigs. I need to just go home. To which the father, he didn't know this, but the father's been praying for him to come home all this while because the father longs for a relationship with his son. And the son decides, man, okay, I'm going to go home. And so he's, he's practicing the speech the whole way home of how he's going to tell his dad just how, what, a, what a wretched fool he is and how terrible he is and hopefully his dad will accept him back and all that kind of thing. But in the story, the way it goes is that you've got the dad who's been looking. He's been praying and asking for his son to come home. And this dad has been watching for him. And he sees his son a far way off. And there's his son, the one he's been praying for and wanting to come home. And the son, his dad, he runs to him, which in that culture, dads didn't run to sons because it wasn't dignified and it wasn't respectful and it wasn't all these things. But this dad, man, he pulls the tunic up and he's hightailing it to his son because he loves his son. He's ready to give him forgiveness. He's ready to welcome him back home. The son didn't even have a chance to tell his dad all of the, the story of how sad he is and how sorry he is for what he's done with his inheritance because the, the, the dad says, no, no, kill the fattened calf. Let's put the signet ring on his finger. Bring the robe because my son is home. Meanwhile, there's the older brother who's been working. The older brother, man, he's been doing everything right. He's been honoring his father. He's been working hard. He's been taking care of the family business, and he's been doing all of these things for the father, to which he hears the commotion that there's this party that's starting up, and he's not quite sure what it's about. Come to find out, little brother is home. And what's happened? His dad has forgiven him. And the son, the older brother, is hacked, and he's angry. He's angry not only at his little brother for what he's done, he's also angry at his father for letting his little brother come home and squander not only the inheritance he already squandered, but now also squander the dad's, the, what, what the dad has to live on and probably what the big brother has to live on in his inheritance. And you got this big brother who's upset. The dad says, please come into the party. Please be a part of this family. And the older brother says, no, I will not. And he chooses to not come in. You see, this is the story of the prodigal son. And it's a tragic story. It's a terrible story because you got this prodigal. Okay, who rejects his father's love by being ungrateful, by being entitled, and by squandering his inheritance. Everybody looks at the prodigal son and says, okay, I get it. <laughs> I get the sin. I get this. I get it. This is not good. You shouldn't do this. I get that. But did you know that there are actually two different ways of rebellion going on in this story? There's two different ways of rebellion. There are two lost sons, not just one lost son, but there's actually two lost sons in this story. You got the younger brother here, but then you've also got the older brother who's been obedient, he's been keeping all the rules, but he's been doing it without love. He's been doing it out of obligation. He's been doing it because that's what you're supposed to do. He's been doing it without love. And guess what? That also results in a rejection of the father's love. And so we have these two sons 
who are being rebellious to their father. One thinks he's doing it all right. The other one knows he's doing it all wrong. One's asking for forgiveness. The other's saying, I'm done. The other's saying, no, 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 I've done everything for you. And now you do this. We got this rejection going on. It's a terrible, terrible story. But the shining light in this story is the father, isn't it? It's the prodigal's father. Now, we don't know his name. We have no idea who the prodigal father's name is. And so this last week, I was just kind of, as I was studying, I thought, you know what? I've never named a character in the Bible. I, I think I'm going to give it a go. And so I named him, you know, because we, we don't have his name. It's just a story. We don't know what his name is. And so I named him, and I don't know if it, if it will resonate with you or not, but, but I really love this father, and I'm so excited about him. But we're going to call him tonight. Can we call him Gaffer? I know you're kind of going, what, what in the world, Gaffer? Well, Gaffer is this wonderful Arabic name. And, and I mean, names are important. And, and this is this beautiful Arabic name. And what it means is it means forgiveness. And the second thing it means is pardon. So we have this forgiving father and a father who pardons those who are in trouble, I guess. And, uh, and so we got Gaffer. So let's just call him Gaffer tonight. So here's Gaffer, right? The dad. He forgave both of his sons when what he could have done would have been, everybody was like, you know what? That's true. Yeah, okay. There's this anger. He could have given them what they deserve. He could have given the, the younger son who squandered his inheritance and said, sorry, dude, I gave you everything. You're on your own now. He looked at the older brother and done the exact same thing and said, you know what, man? You don't really love me. You just love what I can give you someday. You just love the security I provide you today. Sorry, you're on your own. He could have rejected both of them, and other people would have understood the wrathful anger that could come from him. But he didn't do that, did he? He didn't do that. He's watching for his son, who was a far way off from the family, who was a far way off from the, from the, the line and the life in which he longed for his sons to live. And then his other son, he just he wanted him to come inside and be a part of the family, be a part of the celebration of the, of the family being reunited. And so he wanted to accept and to welcome him in. And so what do we learn? What do we learn from this father? What do we learn from the boys here? Well, the first thing that we learn is whether a person rejects the father by selfish living or whether a person rejects the father by arrogant opinions of themselves, the father gives grace. The father gives grace. Gaffer gives grace. He offers love. He offers welcome to both of them. The second thing we learn from this story is the antidote to wrath is forgiveness. The antidote to wrath, it's forgiveness. We gotta learn from those that have gone before. And wrath and anger, those are not things that ever produce a positive outcome when we are the ones that are delivering the wrath and anger. But when we learn from this father is to offer love and welcome, to offer forgiveness, this is the antidote to the sin of wrath. And so I have two questions for you, and then I'm going to finish up with one more question in just a little bit, but two questions. The first question is this. Are you guilty of the ungrateful squandering of God's love? Do you find yourself connecting with the little brother who squanders his inheritance? 
Do you find yourself connecting there going, you know what, I've totally deviated from the family, I've totally deviated from the church, I've totally deviated from the everything, and I totally get this, and I've tried to figure out how to get back in good graces with the Lord, and I just haven't been able to figure it out yet. Is that, is that something that you're, you're longing for, and that's where you're looking? Are you guilty of this ungrateful squandering of God's love, his grace, his mercy, his forgiveness? Are you, are you guilty of that? And the second question is this, are you guilty of a hard heart in your obedience and sacrifice? Are you guilty of being like, man, God, I'm doing everything for you. Where's my reward? Where's, where's the good news that's supposed to come my way? Because I've been laying my dang life down for you, and it seems like life just keeps getting harder. It seems like it just keeps getting more and more difficult, but yet I keep saying yes to the things I believe you want me to say yes to, and it doesn't result in a positive outcome. It doesn't result in an easy way of life. It doesn't result in what I want. Are you guilty of a hard heart in your obedience and sacrifice? Because that's no different than the previous. It's important for us to wrap our minds around this. And it's important for us to beware of the sin of wrath, to beware of the sin of this anger that bubbles up. However, true to form, did you know that wrath is not always bad? It's always bad when it's human wrath. Always, always bad when it's human wrath. But tonight we're going to flip the script on Satan here. We're going to put to, we're going to juxtapose, juxtapose, I guess, if you will, human wrath and God's wrath, because human wrath desires punitive measures that is driven by anger. This is human wrath. God's wrath, I love you too much to let you and fill in the blank. Do you see the difference? See, God's not punitive, but man, we kind of want him to be punitive, don't we? If we're honest with ourselves, it's that ugly side of humanity. But here's God's wrath. God, I love you too much to let you and fill in the blank. It's, it's driven by love. You see, human wrath is why humans are in no position to deliver wrath to anybody because it's going to be poorly executed because it's going to be driven by selfishness and selfish desires. But, well, and the reason is that, did you know that oftentimes the very thing that makes a person angry is the thing that they're struggling with themselves? It's the craziest thing how this plays out. It's really, really remarkable. People get all upset that somebody's talking about them behind their back. But they're the ones that everybody knows is talking about everybody else behind their back. It's the craziest thing. Somebody's angry at somebody else about mismanaging money. But the question is how is that person managing money? It's the very thing why they're frustrated because it's a thorn in their flesh. So human wrath is one thing. God's wrath is different. Because in God's wrath, when we read in Scripture about God's anger, it's not punitive. It's not driven by anger by any means. God's wrath is different. God is able to maintain purity while rejecting and while fighting and while destroying anything that would undo God's holiness and love. See, we aren't capable of this, but God is completely capable of this. God's anger and wrath, we got to always see it through the proper perspective. We got to always see it in relationship to God maintaining and defending love 
and holiness. Because that's who God is. That's what God is doing, as well as God's righteousness and justice. We've got to view this through that lens. And so this is why it's important for us as humans to receive this, to receive this love and this forgiveness from God, because when we are wronged by another person, in Romans chapter 12, Paul tells the church, don't take revenge. Well, now, wait a minute. You mean I was just supposed to get run over? No, don't get run over either. Leave room for God's wrath, for it's written, it's mine to avenge. God says, I will repay. I will repay. When we're wronged by another person, forgiveness is the antidote to wrath. It's the antidote to anger. And it leaves room for God to repay. One that is trustworthy in that justice. One that is able to be seen as right in that judgment where we are not. Because guys, when a person forgives, it becomes possible for God to avenge in God's way. We tend to take matters into our own hands and it does not go well. But when God avenges God's way, there's hope, there's goodness. This is why we are taught by Jesus in the Lord's Prayer to pray these words. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. See, Jesus knows our propensity to try to take matters into our own hands. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 let's give all that over. Cast our cares on the Lord. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. Make sure you trust him because God will. You don't have to repay evil for evil. God's got this. You forgive and be set free. That is the truth. And so I ask these two questions again, and I'm going to get to that third question here in a second as we finish up. First one is, are you guilty of the ungrateful squandering of God's love? Is there anywhere in your life that you are guilty of the ungrateful squandering of God's love? And the second question is, are you guilty of a hard heart in your obedience and sacrifice? Are you guilty of a hard heart in that? Let's just remember together tonight. Human wrath, it's not good. It's never good. God's wrath is always good. Forgiveness is what delivers us from the sin of wrath. The third question, and this is the key, right here. You ready? Do you trust God's wrath to be sufficient? Do you trust that God's wrath will actually be sufficient? Because that is a major player in the ability to overcome the sin of wrath. If you can genuinely trust that God will handle it in a way that is far superior to anything you will handle, you're in the right track. But if you're in a place where you're thinking, you know what, I just, you know, God's just going to like let him go with no penalty, no justice, no consequence you got a long road ahead of you. It's going to be tough. And the main reason is, is that at this point right now in your life, it's possible that if that's, where you, if that's the lane you're running in, it's possible that you've not received the forgiveness of God on your life. 
Because once we receive the forgiveness of God for our sin, we are much more prone to give forgiveness to other people. Because we know what wretched fools we are. And it's important that we receive the love of God to be set free from that sin and shame, to be cleansed from all unrighteousness. And then we get to do the same in the name of Jesus to people here on this earth. And so do you trust God's wrath to be for sufficient? So tonight, can we just do our best to receive this grace from God and to turn that towards other people and may we forgive like old Gaffer did. May we forgive like the Father who forgave like the Father. May we open our homes. May we welcome people in. And may we trust God's wrath to be sufficient. So church, I hope, I hope we can learn from Gaffer tonight. I hope that we can receive God's grace like he did. And I hope, I hope, just by these truths and these stories, we learn from the stories and we do better. Father, we need you because, Lord, there are so many ways that we, man, we, we, we long for your truth to be what rises to the top. But, Lord, our humanity pulls us in ways that we also are drawn by these pillars of the enemy that is trying to destroy us and to separate us from your love. And so, Lord, I pray that you help us tonight to receive your steadfast love and to know that that is the plumb line for life. And Lord, as we receive your forgiveness and as we receive your grace, Lord, that we then are in a position to where we can do better. And Lord, I pray that you help us as we just evaluate life and we ask these questions. Lord, may we find hope and security May we find our confidence. May we find our certainty about life here on this earth from one, one source. And may that be you. And so, Lord, what the enemy intends for evil, will you use for good? And will you help us to make room, to make room for your wrath by forgiving others? Because we can trust you that you have all of our best interest in mind. And when that's the case, there's hope. Father, we love you and we thank you. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.